Hi, this is Jeff Kober, and we welcome you to another Disney at Work podcast. Before we get started today, I just wanted to give you a little bit of context. Uh, I noticed we had a lot more um, listeners last week, and we appreciate that growth and so forth. My podcasts stand out kind of unique in the sense that they are tied to not one, but two Disney-related uh, websites, um, blog posts, and and that's uh, a little unusual. Most people have one, and, and let me tell you, I kind of wish some days I only had one, but, but there's a reason for that. The thing that I offer that's so unique to podcasts is that I bring what I refer to as best in business practices, the ideas and concepts from Disney that can be applied back to anybody's organization. Now, most of you probably are looking for a website where you can just enjoy the fun of Disney. And I totally get that. And that's why I have my other website, disneyatplay.com. But I think you'll find that as you listen to some of these Disney at Work podcasts and as you go to the website there, you'll see that there's some really interesting inside, I had no idea, kinds of concepts. And that if you reflect on them and think about them, you'll see that they have um, application to maybe not just your work, but perhaps just to your entire life and to how you look at you're the world around you. So I try to take, uh, I try to take the things that we share, and try to take them to a level where they have meaning and they have application and they, they can be likened unto your own, um, to your own world. And so that's why we have both Disney at Play.com as well as Disney at Work.com. And um, and last week we had a great example of how we kind of combined those. Uh, we had. Four stories that we shared from the center hub, so to speak, of Disney California Adventure. Uh, stories kind of leadership of, of how you might look at the world. They involved um, different icons found in that center of uh, Buena Vista Street there at California Adventure. And then afterwards, we had a wonderful um, podcast that I got to uh, uh, tape with uh, Talia Mueller and which we just talked about all the things we love about Disney California Adventure. Well, this week is going to be very much the same. We're going to have an opportunity to share. In fact, we're going to the Jungle Cruise, um, which is Disney's original attraction. And there we're going to look at um, three different stories or incidents or issues or um, concepts from that attraction, from that original attraction and then apply them back to your own organization. And then later on this week, we're going to have a podcast that just focuses on what we love about Disneyland and, oh, heaven help that we actually can get this down to a reasonable length because there's so much to, to love about the happiest place on earth. So let's begin, if we can, with the Jungle Cruise. And I want to start with a story. In fact, the story of actually shared on a YouTube video I created. So I want to play that video. If you're not familiar, please uh, check out my YouTube videos at um, J. Jeff Kober. And uh, we have uh, scores of videos and uh, to, to enjoy and look at. And they are often on my notes page. So definitely that's a way to get to my uh, YouTube page is just go to disneyatwork.com and see the notes page. 
uh, for um, this episode. I'm going to share this story. It's a story that occurred to Dick Nunes, and some of you may not be familiar with him. He is one of the original um, folks who joined Disneyland and eventually um, became the area supervisor over the Adventureland area and I believe Frontierland at that time, which is about the time the story took place, not long, not too long after the park opened. And, um, and then he uh, eventually rose in ranks to being over all of the Disney parks worldwide um, over the decades. So a very important, very key figure in the evolution of the Disney theme parks. And, um, and so I wanted to share this story from the Jungle Cruise of he and Walt Disney. So take a listen and, uh, and we'll chat right after. I am Jeff. We're here at South Seas Traders, across from the world-famous Jungle Cruise attraction here at Disneyland Resort. The Jungle Cruise uh, was one of the opening day attractions here at Disneyland. So popular that the uh, queue, which they hadn't really learned queue management at that point, it just stretched as one long serpentine line all the way down Adventureland, out into Main Street and down toward the entrance of the park. It was probably the most popular attraction. And as a result, Walt Disney wanted to make sure that it was the best experience the guests could have. So one day, unexpectedly, Walt turned the corner from Main Street, came into Adventureland and boarded one of the Jungle Cruise boats. The skipper didn't even know who was on board with him. The boat went around and by the time he got back to the front of the uh, to the dock, a very nervous Dick Nunes, who was actually the, uh, the manager of that area, saw Walt. And Walt Disney asked him, uh, Dick, how long is the Jungle Cruise attraction supposed to be? Dick Nunes said, well, I thought we had agreed upon seven and a half, eight minutes. Well, the attraction I just went on was about four and a half minutes in length. It felt like taking the middle reel out of a three reel picture at the movie theater. Dick Nunes asked Walt, could you show me how you would like to have it done? And then I will make sure that our skippers practice it just that way. So Walt Disney and Dick Nunes got into a boat all by themselves and away they went around the Jungle Cruise with Walt Disney at the helm. He slowed down when it was really interesting, sped up a little bit when uh, there wasn't much to look at, but he modeled what he thought to be was a good seven and a half, eight minute attraction. Then, leave it in Dick Nunes' hands, Dick practiced. They got out a stopwatch and they practiced taking the Jungle Cruise up and down the river in about a seven and a half, eight minute journey. They practiced and they practiced and then they waited. Waited until one day where Walt turned the corner from Main Street into Adventureland and boarded one of those Jungle Cruise ships at the dock. The ship went all the way around, and when the ship came back to the dock, Walt got off of it and got on the one right behind it. There were five ships in operation that day, and Walt Disney rode each one of those ships. And at the end of the experience, as Walt got off the last boat, he turned to Dick Nunes, a very nervous Dick Nunes, and this is what he said, which in Disney nomenclature means great show. Think about your own operation. It may be a jungle out there, but admittedly it isn't a jungle cruise. Still, 
How do you set the expectations? Do you as a leader model those expectations? Do you hold your employees accountable? Do you practice? Do you provide development? Do you provide training? Do you check up? How do you actually make sure that the experience for your customers is the very best it can possibly be? And how do you reinforce that? What traditions in your organization celebrate a great show? Think about your operation. It is a jungle out there, but you can make it the best possible as a leader. This is Jeff Kober here at the Jungle Cruise. The story shared here by Dick Nunes, and I've actually been uh, with him when he has shared this story personally. It's also written out in Bob Thomas's um, terrific book on Walt Disney. Um, it's in my leadership book. Um, it It is an important story to the Disneyland canon. And I think it's an important story because up until this point, and again, this isn't very far into the history of Disneyland, but I think at this point, this was kind of the beginning in which Disneyland saw itself as having really an experience as opposed to rides. And that Walt was now finally looking at this and saying, look, we've invested the time, we've invested the money on this thing. How do we make this thing live and make this thing just um, a, a, a success day in, day out. And, and this, is, this is a thing that, and, and, and I think it's critical that the story involves Dick Nunes because I think Dick Nunes, is, as we'll share a, a little later, Dick Nunes was really instrumental in, in kind of thinking about the guest experience and saying, boy, we need to have these rides and attractions. We need more of them and we need them to... to... I, Dick Nunes lived, learned so much from this experience. And there are so many great takeaways from this. Takeaways about the importance of accountability, the importance of thinking through how the guest sees the experience, the idea of training and development and working with your employees, the idea that you walk in the shoes of your customer, the idea that you recognize great performance when it occurs. These are all things which take um, what would be a carnival and makes it into what we know as Disneyland today. Disneyland succeeds and all the Disney theme parks succeed because they think about these kinds of issues. They walk in the guest experience, they create attractions which are repeatable, that you want to come back on again and again. They give people value for their dollar. They train and they develop their employees, they recognize them, they hold them accountable. These are the things that separate you from being just anybody's product or service to being a world-class product and service. And that's why I just really relish the, the power of this story. Now, I also want to talk about uh, another aspect of the Jungle Cruise. A highlight of this attraction is the opportunity to visit the backside of water. To all of us as Disney fans, and especially Jungle Cruise enthusiasts, 
The expression, the backside of water, holds a very unique image in, in someone's mind. Sometimes when it comes to going the extra mile, it could be the simplest, most economical effort that makes all the difference in the world. And that's what's represented by the backside of water. Schweitzer Falls has seemingly been a focal point of the Jungle Cruise since it was constructed in 1955. It began as a nod to African missionary, Dr. Albert Schweitzer, or as many a Jungle Cruise skipper has poked fun, a tribute to Dr. Albert Falls. The Jungle Cruise was one of the signature attractions on opening day, as we've talked about before. Um, it was important that this attraction, as we shared in the story with Dick Nunes, be as exciting and dramatic as possible. The waterfall, in many ways, was a focal point, first seen as your boat swings around to avoid it, and then again later as your boat sails behind it. The sensation of going behind the falls has been a nearly tangible, tactile experience. We learn from that, that people grasp things more when they can experience it more fully from their senses. So the fact that you feel that little splash of water, or don't worry, there's only 5,000 <laughs> forms of bacteria in this water and all the, the joke makes up um, of that uh, experience. But, but it's a tactile thing. It's a sensory thing. People embrace that part of it. And in the early days of Disneyland, the, the animatronic, and we're going to talk about how the animatronics improved in a few minutes, but the, the, the original animatronics were not, were not uh, very impressive. And so, and, and so really the backside of water was perhaps the, the best part of this attraction. It's since been repeated in the Jungle Cruise at the Magic Kingdom, at Walt Disney World, and at Tokyo Disneyland. So iconic has Schweitzer Falls become that Dr. Falls himself was attached to the name of a signature steak at the Skipper Canteen of the Magic Kingdom. Is there really a difference between any grilled steak and Dr. Falls' signature grilled steak? Not really, but the title gives the menu choice a little bit of flair, uh, just like the Falls does. But what does giving something a little flair really mean? On the 10th anniversary of Disneyland, Walt spoke to cast members assembled for the celebration at the, at the Disneyland Hotel. To the audience, he spoke about the early days of the park and, and the challenges of getting everything started. He, quote, a lot of people don't realize we had some very serious problems here, keeping this thing going, getting it started, I remember when we opened, we didn't have enough money to finish the landscaping. I had Bill Evans, original head of landscaping, go out and put Latin tags on all the weeds. We had lots of inquiries. That's a fact. You ask Bill Evans. Of course, every weed to Bill Evans has got a Latin name, you know. During the opening of Disneyland, even the weeds were given a little flair to make them a little interesting. <laughs> In fact, this uh, sort of reminds me of a little song in Bedknobs and Broomsticks, which actually got cut from the from it pretty much uh, almost the entire song. But um, but I've always known the song and and I love it. And and I got to read the words. It doesn't really matter 
what I do, what I do, as long as I do it with a flare. What effect a little smoke is with a dash of hocus pocus and the scent of burning sulfur in the air. I'm a fraud, a hoax, a charlatan, a joke, but they love me everywhere. For it really doesn't matter what I do, what I do, as long as I do it with a flare. Now, in truth, Walt Disney was no charlatan. The popularity and endurance of Disneyland decades later bears testimony to that. Disneyland's legacy was not born in a day. Those early years were difficult. And while he put everything financially on the line to make Disneyland a reality, it still had some pretty big shortcomings. It would be years before it would be perfected to the state it is today. When you don't have the budget you want, it's still important to give anything and everything a little flair. So that's the reminder we get from the backside of water. Even if it's just H2O or O2H, when it's backwards, uh, as the skippers put it, O2H, O2H. When it's just O2H or H2O, you just, you put a little flair to it and you make it stand out. And it's just a little funny that there is this expectation when you go behind the falls that everybody's going to applaud the backside of water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just so humorous. But you know what? It just, it just underscores the idea that sometimes when it comes to going the extra mile, it can be the simplest, most economical effort that makes all the difference in the world. By the way, that story is shared in my Disney Leadership and You book, along with scores and scores and scores of other stories that, that emphasize this. But it's, but it's but a great story and a great thought here about the Jungle Cruise is the idea that we have to make do with what we got. So the first story I shared was about giving the Jungle Cruise a, a thumbs up and then I shared the concept of relishing the backside of water. In my third uh, story here, I want to talk about plussing up pachyderms. Um, when Disneyland opened up and um, Walt was outside the attraction one day, when to his dismay, he overheard a guest remark, quote, we don't need to go on this ride. We've already seen it. He realized he would need to keep adding new elements to his park, even uh, the attractions he considered to be finished. So, um, so Walt went to Mark Davis. And if I, I could tell you, if you've not, if you love Disney theme parks, the most expensive book out there is Mark Davis's In His Own Words. It's a two volume set. It is magnificent, but it really kind of gives you insight to many attractions, which a lot of people don't, but many people kind of know that Mark Davis was involved with Country Bear Jamboree or America Sings, but there are a lot of little things that he was involved in. And one of the more original things he got uh, into was the Jungle Cruise. And in fact, he really is responsible for its updates for many, many years. Um, he says, I think Walt asked me to look at this, the Jungle Cruise, because he knew I would probably give it a pretty good shot. And I think that he liked the kind of entertainment I was able to do. Walt liked this idea of kind of doing a moving tableau 
which he called them, and since you rode by them, the animation would be relatively simple. We had more than you were able to see at any one time, so people would be encouraged to come back and try to catch it on the next time around. This was his reasoning. And he always felt that these things were like a three-ring circus, especially here at Disneyland, as it's such a tremendous repeat business. If people like the Jungle Cruise, they'll go on it again. And if the ride is right, they'll see something they didn't see before. Going back just a little ways, when I worked on the Nature's Wonderland attraction, which was kind of the first one he <clears throat> got involved with, I made some complaints to Walt um, that he really got involved with. He had some other little things, but, but this one was really the first one he got involved with. Because he had asked me, well, give it a hard look. And then I think he was a little annoyed because I had taken the design a lot further than he had thought I would. So Walt asked me to get in and think up some ideas, not only on this, but also things to be placed around the whole park that the train could see and that would advertise the attractions. Originally, the area had some kind of little ruins, um, but I developed, redeveloped all of that. Now, let me just stop here and say that um, you, if you're not aware, back in the day, you went on attraction, in order to go on a, a ride or attraction, you had to present a ticket which would eventually be a ticket book of A, B, C, D, or E ticket attractions. And from the day one, Jungle Cruise was always at the top of the ledger. Um, so the thought was, as the train went around the park, should we have a couple little things that kind of tee off uh, the idea of, of, hey, we ought to go check out this attraction. One of those is the, the whole scene with the rhino poking at the... Um, at the, the safari guides um, as they're uh, hopping up the tree. Um, that was actually uh, intended to be outside um, where you would see it on the train, but Walt loved it so much he actually added later to the train. So anyway, going on, Admiral Joe Fowler was kind of running the whole thing in an overall manner down at Disneyland. He couldn't stand me originally because everything I did involved the change of something down there. He wasn't very happy with that. Later, uh, we would get along fine. But as I say, every time I did something, he had to change something down there. So when they were building New Orleans Square, the land that involved the Jungle Cruise was adjacent to that. Joe Fowley suggested to Walt that this would be a good time for him to do something there if he wanted to, since there would be ripping into it. So this was the first time I had ever experienced anything like this. And having to go down there and help direct and guide the bulldozers, I almost died. It was an awful experience. And for me, the funny thing, I could read on all of their faces, well, here we go again. Walt sent another one of these characters down. When they brought in the bulldozers, and I was the man that had been sitting on my hind end for 25 years as an animator, being in the position to direct bulldozers was a little much and frightening as all hell. This was a big learning experience for me. Well, what happens is, is that the Jungle Cruise during that time period as, as New Orleans Square got underway, that gave a chance to really do a major remodeling and to take out the, the original animals that were there and to put in some really, really uh, remarkable um, elements to it. One of them was the sacred elephant bathing pool. And uh, 
And Mark Davis did the original sketches um, for this and with all the little uh, activities that the elephants were carrying on as you as you come into this um, into this uh, part of the waterway. He goes on to say, as I say, I wanted to bring realism and not just animals standing there and so on, but to try and make them entertaining. You can kind of see what these things are, and I have a little pattern. This all led to a very interesting thing that happened. When I designed this pool, Blaine Gibson did some magnificent sculptures and maquettes of these things and put it all together. And later, when we went down there to see the thing, there were so many elephants in that pool. And I thought, I knew Walt Disney and how he was such a bear on how you stage something. He wanted things staged right, telling a story properly. And the first thing I said to him, I said, well, there's one thing that you're probably not going to like, Walt, and that is that probably that nobody can go through here and see all these elephants at one time. And he said, and this is how things began to happen. He said, you know, Mark, that's great. We do so much repeat business down here. That means that the next time people come through here, they'll see something they hadn't seen before. And by the way, he'll go on to say that that is the spirit and the the uh, thinking that went into Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, what makes Pirates of the Caribbean stand out, especially the ones right there next door to the Jungle Cruise in New Orleans Square at Disneyland, is that there is so much to be seen and so much to be embraced that you can't see it all at one time. Um, I have been on these attractions um, hundreds of times. And even to this day, there will be an occasion where I see some little thing I had not noticed before. And so um, that that's what makes these attractions so brilliant and wonderful and enjoyable is because they have been, well, just didn't believe in building the attraction, let it stand. He believed in plussing it up and taking it to the next level. I want to share uh, another quote from Mark Davis because I think it also helps you understand that in order to succeed in doing these things, you have to take some chances. And taking chances means you're going to make mistakes. He says, quote, I think in a lot of these things, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying. You have to. I think if you're doing anything creative, you're bound to make some mistakes. And there are a lot of mistakes that have been done on every attraction we've done. I've made some improvements on some of them that were worse before than uh, before they were improved. I think we've done all done that, and I think this is what we designers should be doing. I hate to say about these things, well, it was done this way before, and that's the way it ought to be done now. But it really shouldn't be done less. Well, you should see if there's a way of doing it better. Doing it better, plussing it up, that's at the heart of the pachyderms and all the other elements that compose the Jungle Cruise. And Mark Davis would go on, uh, even after uh, Walt's passing, to add additional elements. So when you see the gorillas all shooting um, at the tent, um, or the the um, the uh, ruins that you go and the temple ruins that you go into at Walt Disney World, all of these were devised by and designed by by Mark Davis. And so the Jungle Cruise is truly 
truly um, a tribute to this philosophy of always trying to make things better and plussy it up. Walt Disney said, the park is a show and it must be kept fresh and alive and kept up to date. Like this year, I rehabbed a lot of things. I went in and I, and things I put in six years ago, we've been just touching up every year. I went in and completely practically rebuilt some of them. It's the same basic ride because I found that the ride itself had a basic appeal, but it had to have the excitement. In other words, we plus this with what we know today against what we knew when we started. I've been adding to that as I went along and I'm going to redip that, uh, redo that in about a year. I'm redoing it. I'll add a lot more new animals and new areas and make it more exciting, but it's still a very good ride. End of quote. You know, that's the whole philosophy that has been a part of the Disney attractions. When you look at classic attractions like Small World, uh, which added the Disney characters at one point and the holiday overlay, and you look at the holiday overlay that was added to the Haunted Mansion and how that that hat box ghost that they couldn't make work for decades, but they finally got it into Disneyland. And it's such a cool, cool little aspect. And yeah, the red hat uh, may have been for politically correct purposes, but you know what? Those kinds of things additionally, plus an add and improve the attraction makes, makes them much more evergreen in the years to come. Well, uh, there are, as in every Disney at work podcast, some really great souvenirs that you can take back to your own organization, to your own life. You don't have to be a monkey god to see some really important lessons from these stories. For instance, what is the backside of water in my own business? How can I take even the weeds of my business and plus them? How can I use training and development to improve the performance of an attraction? How am I holding my employees accountable for providing the best experience possible? How can I add an extra touch to what is otherwise expected? How can we give a flair to those products and services that still aren't very perfect? How can we continually improve and take what we do to the next level? How can we learn from our mistakes in the spirit of always trying to make things better than they were before? All of these are, are great concepts that you could take and apply back to your own organization, honestly, back to your own life. So we appreciate you joining us today for this Disney at Work podcast. Now, before we leave today, I want to chat a little bit about, if I may, a little bit about um, our, uh, what is going on with the recent pandemic and the COVID-19 um, experience that has been going on. It, uh, last week, they announced uh, a couple of things over the last week or so. First of all, Shanghai Disney is opening up on the same day that this podcast is going out. And uh, they have noted, they did a video uh, the vice president of operations kind of walking you through the things that they were doing. If you have not visited our um, our uh, 
podcast. We have done some really important podcasts um, on this whole COVID-19. We were one of the first out of the gates on this uh, coronavirus and its impact on Disney parks worldwide. That was number 68. Number 70, Disney closes its parks and a great big beautiful tomorrow. That was the that was the one where I was trying to offer some hope. And, and if you're still looking, you're feeling like you're down in the blues, number 70 is what you need to listen to because it talks about seeing that things are going to be okay. Things are going to get better. Um, leading Disney in difficult times, lessons from COVID-19, number 74. Those are applications back to your own organization, how you should apply uh, lessons from Disney as you deal with this um, this virus. 78, reopening Disney. Let me tell you, no one has given a better podcast, more thorough podcast, more um, complete understanding of what will it take to reopen these parks. Um, my fellow colleague, David Zanola, had seen that video with the um, with the uh, vice president of operations at Shanghai giving the tour, and he said they're they're reading our script, and, and there's a lot of truth to that. The what we shared way back on uh, uh, last um, month, there well, back in April um, about reopening Disney. Boy, there's some really good good ideas and concepts in there that that basically are outlining where they're going. The same. Uh, the kinds of things are being shared by the medical um, executive of Disney. The last one was 82, guest compliance at Disney amid COVID-19. How do you get guests to actually wear a mask in the parks and so forth? So if you haven't been through uh, those, uh, I, I feel like we have been way in advance. We have been anticipatory. We have been thorough. We have shared some great lessons. We'll, we'll share more about what it looks like and the lessons from that as, as Disney does reopen in the weeks to come. Uh, Disney Springs is intended to reopen next week on the 20th. So a lot more to come, a lot of exciting things. We appreciate you joining us here on this podcast. And, and we're grateful for those of you who can take a moment to go out to iTunes to share a positive review if possible or to give us a good rating. Those kinds of things really help us. We're trying to get the word out. Please share with others. Let them know. And again, in the words of Sinbad, a storybook voyage, always follow the compass of your heart in all that you do. Have a great week. We'll see you again soon as we enjoy more of Disneyland and what we love about the happiest place on earth.